Welcome to the Good, the Bad, and the Sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel that we're going to be covering, I know, don't be mad at us, there's no Friday the 13th until next year, but it was fitting because I have a little sequel on the way. So we are covering Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, and for it, I gotta say, our first Friday the 13th final girl, and I was lucky enough to talk with Pam Roberts. Wow, so much fun to talk with actress Melanie Kinneman. Melanie has so many cool behind-the-scenes stories from how she landed the role right away, filming of it. Uh, really the legacy of it when it comes to, you know, the fan reactions and the people that reach out and how much they love it, but also the other side of it. Like when she first started going to conventions and people were pretty rude, you know, the way fandom can get in anything, sports, movies, pop culture, people can be pretty nasty. So we talk about that part of it as well, but obviously the good, taking the good, block out the bad. And uh, Melanie is such a positive person. So we talked about her journey from Massachusetts, her mom would drive her into New York City to audition. She was a dancer, and then she started acting on Broadway, off Broadway. Heck, she played Cheryl Ladd in a sketch on Saturday Night Live back in the 70s, the original cast, when they did Battle of the Network Stars. She played Cheryl Ladd. So cool. Then she landed at General Hospital, and then... A few commercials that are so cool and the money in commercials back then, like so many guests have said that, but when you hear the amount, you're going to be like, holy crap, that's something. And then of course, Pam Roberts, Friday the 13th, part five, a new beginning. And then we talk about best of the best. So in her IMDb, it says the woman, but the real story about her role is pretty wild that you're going to have to listen to it. You're going to have to listen to it. And do me a favor, please subscribe wherever you're listening and rate us, man, rate us and follow us on all social media at sequels only. Tell your friends, tell everybody. And like I said, we, I, me and my wife have a new beginning coming, a little baby boy. So, uh, yeah. So without further ado, here is actress Melanie Kinnaman. So this would be awesome. I love finding out how people started. Not obviously what, you know, what I love you from, you know, a new beginning, yeah. but mm-hmm. really just how everything began. I think origin stories are the greatest thing because Hollywood is the craziest job to pursue. You know, oh, yeah. the lawyer, doctor, oh, you know, yeah. there's a better success rate, but there's just something that draws people to the lights. And I love finding that out. So you grew up in Massachusetts. I grew up in Holyoke, Massachusetts, and I started out as a dancer, singer, and I started really young. When I got old enough, around 12 or 13, I would go into New York City with my mother. Oh, nice. I'm in Jersey. So yeah, not too far. Yeah. So my whole plan was to just get out of high school and get to New York City. So (laughs) I would go when I was old enough with my mother and I would audition for stuff and, and learn things and meet teachers and go to classes. So that's how it really started. That's the nutshell of the very beginning. What, what made you want to pursue it? What was it at an age? Was it seeing somebody on TV or did you know somebody that danced or? Uh, my sister's also a dancer. My older sister, um, my oh, okay. brother, three of us, my brother and sister, I'm the youngest and, and they both, wanted to dance. My sister was professional. She was a Broadway dancer. So oh, wow. that, that was something to aspire to. But yeah. I didn't do that. It's interesting because I initially, because she was my big sister, I thought I would go the same route and I wanted to be an actress. So, but my way in was the dancing and singing. So I did shows, musical shows, and I'd be in the chorus or stuff. And then I started getting commercials that were singing and dancing commercials. And that's how I really got in. But um, I started out, yeah, really young. And my idols at that time growing up, I loved Joel Gray, Bernadette Peters, and Julie Andrews. And Dick Van Dyke is my all-time ultimate idol because he can do everything so i grew up watching watching these people and i just aspired to be just like them 
Dick Van Dyke's still doing it. Even like uh, a a year ago or two years ago, it's like some of these people they do what they what you can do when you're you know ninety something years old. You can go away and not have to be on TV anymore. Mm -hmm. And then he had like that his car started on fire randomly, and it was like already all over the news. And he's like joking around with people, and I'm like, this guy's still doing it, no matter what. He's he's that guy, and he's still great still great but those were my idols yeah so that i had that beacon i was following but also just I, I, luckily i had the ability to do it i had some talents and so uh i kept getting reinforcement that i was on the right track you know nice i i, I don't know if imdb is always right but were you on saturday night live as cheryl ladd yeah i did they, i don't know if you remember because you're young but they had battle of the network stars that they used oh to yeah so Saturday Night Live did it a spoof movie, <laughs> which was That's hilarious. Great. I mean, uh, Belushi was in it. It was in the heyday. I did it in '78, so it yeah, it that's the, 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 the original cast. It was phenomenal, and the musical guests that night were the Rolling Stones. Oh my god! So that was my Saturday Night Live. It was great. Yeah. How'd you get that? Just an open casting call. You go in I an audition. Uh, they saw, I'm sure, a bunch of people. It was an interesting audition. Like I said, Gilda Radner was there, uh, Volusia. Oh. And they just threw out a bunch of things for me to do. And I had to do stunts, you know, like those silly things that they make you do on the network stars. So, you know, they wanted to see if I could physically do all this stuff. But it was goofy. It wasn't really serious. Yeah. And it was fun. Oh, my God. Were they doing the after parties still back then? Was that oh, always yeah. a thing? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Nice. Nice. <laughs> so then, so then, like right around then is when the commercials. Because I was trying to find them. Because I always try to like find these things, but it was like Dr Pepper, Coca Cola. I, I, I have it. I sometimes I post it on Facebook, so I have it. Uh, I'll have to look for it. it. Yeah, I'll maybe I'll put it up so you can find it. It was hard to find. Okay. So I couldn't find it years ago, and a fan found it and sent it to me. So now I have the That's link great. and and I have it permanently. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they found it. They did. Yeah, like Atari. Like I'm like, oh, there's probably a few Atari commercials. I just watched earlier today 15 Atari commercials from 1982, and you're not in it. No, no, <laughs> I don't know. I did. I did a bunch. Most of them were unique, singing and dancing, or I had to sing with a chicken for arid deodorant. Uh, you know, silly, silly things. But in those days, it was fun. It was the late 70s, early 80s. They were very creative. And it was a big production. It was like doing a, a Broadway show on a lot of these things. And the money was good back then. I interviewed an, a big-time character actor. He was in, uh, this guy, Peter Jason. He was living in, he moved all the way to Jersey just to do commercials. And he was doing... He did like 300 commercials over 10 years. And he was talking about how good the money is versus oh. just like a small TV role. My first commercial, my first big one, I did a couple before that. They were smaller markets. But the first big one was the Dr. Pepper. And I made 30 grand. My oh, my first, God. My first, when it first started airing, because it was a national 60 second, a full minute commercial. Yeah. My first check was $30,000. And I was wow. 19. I was 19. That's so I thought, okay, um, this is good. I, I I can do this. I can do this, yeah. And all this time, you're you're are you are you in New York full time yet? Or are you still? Yeah, I moved to New York when I was 18. I went to make my mother happy. I was going to college, but <laughs> I started getting work right away. So I left college. To this day, she was upset about it. But yeah, it worked out. You know, you're kind of scared because you're thinking, okay, I'm leaving stability and college to pursue this thing. And, um, but when I got that first check for 30 grand, I said, okay, I think I made the right decision. Yeah. And New York was good at that time. And I'm not saying it's not good now because obviously you have Broadway, you have soaps were all here, right? All the soaps originated here. Everything was there. Yes. I would have never moved to Los Angeles had this. The, the industry changed and a lot of things left New York in the eighties and moved to Los Angeles. But when I first moved to New York, you could do film 
Broadway, all kinds of theater. I did all kinds of off-off-Broadway stuff. You could do commercials. And you said the soaps. So it, there was no reason to leave. I love New York City. Yeah. I never had to leave. But again, things shifted in the 80s and came out here. Also, if I hadn't left, I wouldn't have done Friday the 13th. <laughs> if I stayed in the I was wondering. I was wondering like how that came to be. Because I've interviewed people that were in other ones, not from, from uh, A New Beginning, Part 5. They were in other ones and they just happened to be either like a regional cast or they were casted out of LA. Really? So you... What had you go out to LA? Was it just you did a few shows and you're like, let me get out there now? I did a bunch of stuff in New York and I saw how things were shifting. And I thought, if I don't get on a soap permanently or get a Broadway show, I have to figure out what I'm going to do next. So cold turkey, I went to New York. I mean, I went to, I left New York and went to LA. I had no friends out. I didn't know anybody. But I said, I have to do it. So you get here and you have to get a car and an apartment, you know, all the normal stuff when you go to a new place. So I did all that and I started going auditions and I started getting work. But it was very scary because it's very different from New York. Um, the people are very different. And I'm just a, a New Yorker. I'm an East Coast girl. So I, I lost yeah, that, driving. that comfort. Just the driving aspect. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The comfort. And, and the, like I said, the people were different. So it was a whole acclimation to the whole thing. But I got part on General Hospital after I'd been here maybe, I think maybe four or five months. And oh, that wow. was a, that was only supposed to be on, uh, I think it was only supposed to be on six weeks or something. It was an added character, but I ended up being on six months. So that made me get comfortable in Los Angeles. And I was auditioning for other things. And then I got my favorite show. I got to guest star on Hill Street Blues. Nice. That was my favorite show. So that was a big thrill. And I thought, okay, I, I guess I'm going to give this LA thing a shot, you know, <laughs> and stay. Wow. Well, that's good. When it, No matter what, if you want to do it, mm-hmm. it, there's always a time frame in your head that you're like, all right, I'll give it X amount of time. But it's so good that it hit early yeah. because then you have like that, okay, the monkey's off your back. And then it's easier to work because you're not stressing about it because you already have that first job because usually – People that I talked to that around that time when there were so many more shows that were coming out, even though there wasn't a lot of networks still at that time, if your face was on TV, then it'd be like, all right, you could do, oh, I didn't, oh, they they hired you, all right, we'll give you a shot. So that's cool. Like right after General Hospital, you get Hill Street Blues, yeah, and and then I'm sure you're auditioning before Friday yeah. the Thirteenth comes up a few years later, right? I did a movie just before. I think I wrapped probably six months before Friday the 13th audition. I had done another film called Thunder Alley. It was a musical. Oh, nice. A rock, rock band. And um, so I got two back to back. I got that one. And then I got the audition for Friday and got Friday pretty quickly. I mean, I think I had one, two auditions and I got it right away. They, they contacted me right away. And I, wow. you know, luckily I didn't know anything about Friday the 13th. I had never seen. Oh, you didn't? Never seen one. And also, I didn't know that they were looking across the country. They auditioned people from LA to New York and Chicago and, you know, everything for this role. And luckily, I didn't know that. So I went in and I read, and then they brought me back, and it was in front of everybody the director, the head of Paramount, all that stuff. And I think that was about two or three in the afternoon. This is before cell phones. And I got yeah. home and two hours later, they called me at home. So there was wow. none of that 5,000 auditions, callbacks, <laughs> yeah. uh, waiting for the phone to ring. There was none of that. It was so quick. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Did you know it was a Friday film from the beginning? Like I you did. personally, did you know it? I did. They told me, but it meant nothing. Oh, nice. to me. Because oh, okay, that's I've never good. seen any of them. So when I got cast in it, I I said, you know, I really need to see part four. Because I've never seen these films, which shocked them. And I said, I, I really need to see what at least what happened immediately before this film. So yeah. then I, you know, seeing it and I and I liked it a lot and I thought uh Kimberly Beck was great. 
and I kind of knew her personally. We had the same agent, so I would run into her. So then oh, wow. relax and go, okay, I, I know what the concept is. And um, it was completely different in part five, as you know. Yes. And I kind of knew what I was getting into after seeing part four. Yeah. No. Uh, so did you know the whole script? Did they give you just sides or did you oh. read the whole thing? Well, when I auditioned, it was just sides. And then when I got the role, they gave me the whole thing. So wow, I, knew, okay. I knew from beginning to end what the deal was. That's cool. If you watch, because I love watching the Crystal Lake memories, and I think it's so cool the things that you share in there. But when you, uh, if you've ever seen it, when Harry Manfredi, who you know scores all the movies and a ton mm -hmm. of other movies, mm -hmm. he talks about how much he loved this movie because, and I believe him. It seems like he was scoring while he watched it, and he goes, "Even I didn't." I, he goes, I, "I didn't know till the very end, like who it was." And I think that's what's so cool about the installment. I think it's like taking from what you said to be in a movie that has uh it's not like people are like, yeah, it's more like I love it or, or the opposite reaction. So it's pretty cool to be in something that is that much of a, like a lightning rod of a, of a series. It's really interesting. The love hate it's extreme. I mean, I've not done anything and, and I don't know anything. I'm sure there are many other films, but I can't think of one. Nobody I know personally has experienced such extreme love and hate for a film and for a part. I mean, for a character I played. So it was a it, it was a shock. Yeah, well, it was something that you know Halloween did it with the third movie, and they didn't have Michael Myers in it. And I I think it was pretty cool. And uh, I don't know. I just think they 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 went for something. And no matter what people got from it, you still got a franchise afterwards that kept going. So right. what what that movie did was it it sort of has its fan base because it's kind of not only it's a standalone film, but from then like you had Zombie Jason because they had to bring him back from uh, from the dead somehow. I don't like that they didn't really close what happened at the end of five. They really forget about that. Well, I was supposed to do part six. When I, got, I know. Yeah, when I got part five, I was signed to do five and six. So six was going to start where five left off. That very last shot of me and, uh, and John. John Shepard behind me. Six was going to start right there. So I think that would have been very interesting to go down that road. And so did Paramount until they saw the feedback and the hatred from the fans and all that. So they decided to go back to the formula. Yeah. Um, but I thought part five was courageous. Yeah. Endeavor on their part to try something different. And I think they did a good job of trying something different. Yeah. Perhaps if they had gone further with it, it might not have been uh, the catastrophe they thought it was going to be. Who knows what part six, how it would have been received. But they wanted to go back to the formula. They wanted to go back to the formula. Yeah, and, and and you like understand that when you think about it. But it's so fascinating because I was even reading, and I never knew it after just doing research and looking at all the Friday the 13th, like mm -hmm. some behind the scenes. It seems like they do that with all of them. They're like, all right, we're going to continue the story. And then something happens because Feldman, were you already on board when Feldman was going to be in it or no? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Really? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I thought it was adventuresome to try something like that and yeah. change it all up. But I think money talks. Yeah. You know, that's what it is. That's what it is. <laughs> and uh, creativity sometimes is held back because of money. They yeah. Want, they want a sure thing. They want a sure thing, which is unfortunate sometimes because when you try something different, you're kind of shocked that, Hey, this is a good idea. <laughs> Right. Hey, this actually works. And that's creativity, you know, trial and yeah. error. You fail, you, you, you do well, you know, it works, it doesn't work, but that's how you find out. Oh, 100%. I love your relationship with Reggie throughout yeah. the movie. That was good. I like that. And I always like that. That's why I love the Friday the 13th franchise because I love that, that formula of whoever the final girl is, uh, they leave 
and they come back to find everybody like just completely decimated while you're uh while Reggie's trying to pass you off as his girlfriend. I love that line so much. Yeah. He's like 13 years old yeah. and he's like, yeah, this is my girl. Come here, Pam. He was so much fun to work with. And, uh, very professional. You know, one of the most professional on the set. So that's always fun and easy. It makes your job easy. And we had a good time. I think that kind of came through uh, in the final cut that he and I gelled. You know, we yeah we connected, and uh, that's because we did on the set. You know, he and I are still friends. No, that's great. Did you guys? Uh, where was that film? Was that in? Was that in Massachusetts? Los Angeles. Or no? Los Angeles. Shot oh, the whole movie was filmed yeah. in L.A. Yeah, filmed in oh, L.A. Okay. In some of the suburbs. Uh, a town called Camarillo, which is about 45 minutes out of LA. But all the chase scene, the running, all that chains, all that stuff was shot in LA. Oh, okay. Did you guys, did people like rap and go home or did you guys stay on set? Like We wrapped and went home because yeah. we lived close enough and the drivers would take me home even if it was an hour trip. The only problem for me was when we were doing night shoots and I would start at four in the afternoon and shoot till about seven or eight in the morning. And I needed to sleep because I had to come back. And I said, could you just put me up some cheap hotel, something motel right near the set so that I can go to sleep right away, but they wouldn't do it. So I had to go, home. I had to go home. <laughs> that was, that was my only. So happy yeah. <laughs> And you have the legendary, like the chainsaw. That's like a legendary shot. That photo of you with the chainsaw is like, I don't know. It just looks one of my favorite so scenes. cool. We had fun doing that scene that was shot on Halloween night, the 31st of October. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. People don't know that wow. was shot on Halloween. That's great. <laughs> so from, so after that movie, did you guys have, uh, was there a premiere? Like in LA that you guys all went to? Premier, a big premiere in Westwood where they used to, in the 80s, do all the big movies, all the big premieres. So we were at this fabulous uh, theater, red carpet, the whole thing. It was packed. The audience went crazy. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I went with the cast, some of the cast members, and we had just had a great time. Was that the first time you saw any of it or did the, the, they share? Oh, really? That's no, I, cool. No, no, I got to see, I got to see, uh, Paramount had a cast and crew screening. Oh, okay. We went. Yeah, I got to see it. But that was my first must... time. Audience were, I was so shocked how crazy the audience went. I mean, yeah. the, 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 the curtain opened and then you hear the music and the place just erupted. They were all screaming. It's great. That's when I realized the the impact, the importance of the franchise. Up until that point, I didn't know. Yeah. But sitting in that audience, it hit me. I had no idea. I had no idea the fans would be this loyal. I mean, look how many years it's been. And they still want to meet me or, you know, write to me. And I get all kinds of letters about how it, it, it gave them... Um, it gave them some kind of support going through high school or junior high where they were being bullied. I mean, the letters have been amazing. Yeah. That movie or my character impacted them in a way I would have never, ever imagined. To me, it was, it was a role. I was thrilled to have it. I was trying to play the best character I could. It was a horror movie. I, I, I don't really like horror movies. And so to find out that it impacted so many young people, has been a shock and, and such a great thing. Yeah. That's so cool. When you think about it, just your journey, your mom driving you and like the, you know, the seventies, yeah. you live in the city at 18 yeah. and then yeah. seven years later, you're the final girl on a Friday the 13th. Yeah. Movie. yeah. It's, um, but you know, everybody's life I'm sure is, uh, shocking and things happen that you don't expect. Everyone's got a story. I don't know who pitched it in the Crystal Lake Memories. It was one of the final girls, and they had a great idea because the next Friday the 13th, even though the I don't know when it's going to come out because of everything going on, but it'll be the 13th, 13th. And I forgot who pitched it, and they were, and it would be great to have all the final 
girls and guys like Mm -hmm. all together Mm -hmm. in some kind of support thing. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you have Jason come back. Well, it would be interesting, wouldn't it? It would be great. I don't know what's going to happen with that. There's so much red tape and so many legal issues, which is unfortunate, you know, but that's the same with everything. No, yeah. I'm working on a project now where I'm shocked at all the back stuff going on. Just, just want to make a movie, but there's all this other stuff and money, people, people arguing, and it's really something. Yeah, big business, you know, and and it's probably the same in all other businesses. I just haven't been in another business. Yeah. Now I would say Hollywood, uh, uh, Hollywood's probably the, one of the most politics, but hopefully somebody like the way the one in 2009, Michael Bay, like was behind. So hopefully somebody with that kind of gravitas name mm-hmm. says, Hey, I want to do a Friday the 13th and maybe they'll uh, let it uh, happen. Cause that'd be great. So one thing I wanted to ask is you talked about like getting the letters and everything. Mm-hmm. When did you, I know you saw it on the screen mm-hmm. and you know, from doing like Broadway, which is great to, talk to somebody that does that was doing like off broadway and doing Mm -hmm. stage you get that gratification you have a great night you go out at the end the audience cheers or there's a joke and they laugh you Mm -hmm. get that sometimes when you make a movie you really don't see it unless you go to a premiere sit in the back of the audience when was it that you really knew the impact of your character was it right around that time you started getting letters or was it starting going to conventions it was around that time, and then it stopped. And then I didn't do conventions for many years. I did my first one, if you can believe that, because they were approaching me to do them. I didn't do them till 2011 was my first Oh, one. wow. Yeah. And the reason I did them, started doing them, was somebody was forging my signature on, on pictures, and people were buying them. Oh. And that was People would contact me and send send me a copy, and they said, "Is this your signature?" I said, "No," and they told me how much they spent on. I said, "Don't do that." So I thought, "Okay, I'm going to have to go and do this and charge people, which I didn't want to do." But what it did was, I got to meet people. They got to meet me, but yeah. I got to meet them, and I got to see, uh, hear their stories, and got to see how it impacted them and what it meant to them, and that brought me so much insight into the whole franchise because I didn't quite understand it before that, you know, but it's great meeting the people and I'm glad I'm doing the conventions, but I was also met with, um, like I said, it was a love hate thing. I was met with a lot of hate, which was startling in 2011, 2012. It was really uncomfortable. So I started doing them in Europe where they, all I got was love, but I will say in America, (laughs) there was a lot of hate. And I would say to people, you know, it was just a role I played. I, I, you know, I didn't write it. I, I'm, I, it was Jason to me because I didn't know any different. You know, I, I was being chased by a masked killer. Yeah. My character thought it was Jason, and, and that's how I played the role. So, you know, it was interesting to find out how important this Jason guy was to the yeah. franchise. You know, because people really got angry. Really. And I didn't want to do conventions for a while. And then it calmed down. I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to either if I'm just going there. Yeah, because I I had no preconceived or any kind of warning that people do hate you. (laughs) Yeah. For the part. So for playing the role in a a movie where Jason was in it. I know. I always tell people, whatever people are like, oh, I hate remakes or sequels because that's what we cover i'm like all right don't watch them you don't have to watch it yeah and i you know? get it. sometimes i think something shouldn't have a sequel they shouldn't be remade or you know but you know everyone has a different opinion i just don't think you should attack or be vicious to an actor who was in the project you know they're 100 percent. so but I met a lot of great people, and I still do. And the letters really started coming in then after I did the first convention. And I started learning about how it impacted people. It, it was shocking to me. But I'm glad it yeah. did. Yeah. And not, no, just yeah. not just my movie. I mean, so many movies and, and so many of the franchise uh, impacted people. And that's a good thing. 
because a lot of the stories have, to me have come from LGBTQ, uh, kids that were bullied, kids that had suicidal issues. And, and they said that my movie or some of the others gave them a kind of uh, a role model, a survivor. You know, and that was interesting to me and, and nice, to yeah. nice to hear. So That's, I'm glad it's it, crazy when you think about that. You film yeah. a movie for X amount of months and then just the impact it has years later. I've interviewed directors that thought after they made a movie, nobody would watch it and they never talk about it. And then they're doing like interviews with me or going to conventions or showing it at a, you know, Alamo draft house. And they're like, I, when we wrapped on this movie, I didn't think I'd have to talk about it ever again. That's funny. That's funny. Well, it's I fascinating. Found out, I found out early on that I would have to talk about it because I did right away. Yeah. But I didn't know it would go on happily this long. I mean, I thought it would be forgotten in a couple of years. So never. I'm startled and I'm happily surprised that they haven't forgotten. It still baffles me, but I, I'm grateful because I've made a lot of friends, you know, and then a lot of fans. So it's been uplifting for me. And I thank the fans all the time for, for being so loyal and caring and loving it so much, you know? That's awesome. So then from there, how was it out in LA? Like, did you try, I know the theater scene's not, not much, but were you trying to do any theater at all while you were there too? Yeah, I did a couple of plays. I did Dracula, you know, the Frank oh, nice. one. I did one here in LA, downtown LA. That was fun. I did a couple of plays, of original things. One was called Diamonds. It was written by the guy who wrote Mata Hoople. Oh, okay. Yeah. I've heard of that. Well, it was a, it's not the same as New York. So, oh, no. you know, that was disappointing. But there was a theater scene much more than there is now. So I'm, I try to create projects. I did a one-woman show, things like that. But it's definitely not the same as New York. You kind of have to Do you love that more? Is that like your passion? Like, would you rather be on stage than screen? I love them both. They're different. Yeah. What I love about theater is what you said. It's immediate. You're right there. The audience is right there. And it's instant. You know, the feedback is instant. There's kind of um, a connection with the audience, even though you're in the character. There's some kind, you feel them there. You don't have that on the set. You're kind of playing to the crew on the set. Yeah. And in some of my scenes and some of the films I've done, it's been a closed set. So it's me alone with, you know, uh, maybe 10 crew members. So... It's different. It's different. I do love theater. Yeah. For that reason. Yeah. Although if there's some things shoot like I did Cheers. They shoot like it's a Broadway show. So we had rehearsal from Monday through Friday. You rehearse it like it's a, sh a, a live theater show. And then Friday night, it's shot in front of a live audience. So it's so much like being in a theater piece. Yeah. And to work with those people was unbelievable. Uh. I worked with the whole cast. It was mind-blowing yeah shows i don't shows don't do that much anymore but it was the same showrunners but like frazier did that and i just yeah. heard how like yep. insane that was but even if you look back at like mork and mindy that mm -hmm. was like the hottest ticket in town like yeah. to go to mork and mindy like the the live filming of it but yeah. cheers yeah to be on that jesus yeah that was incredible and i felt at home because it was a live audience and the preparation you rehearse, like Broadway show, you rehearse off Broadway, all the, you know, off, off Broadway, you rehearse for a long time and then you have previews. So cheers. We rehearsed all week, all day. And then we did it with <laughs> a live audience. So. Yeah. And, and it was Boston. So you could throw on uh do you have a, a Boston accent you could throw on? No, I had a little bit of a New York one, which I had to go to speech classes to lose. It comes back if I'm relaxed, I, you know, people pick up the New York thing. But, um, yeah, you have to work on not having it. I never had a Massachusetts <laughs> accent. I really didn't. No. No, I don't know why. But uh, How far? <laughs> where? What part of uh, Massachusetts Western is that? Western Mass. Holyoke is, near, hard, uh, Holyoke is near Springfield, Mass. It's near Amherst, where there's University of Massachusetts. 
Okay. And, and it's very close to Hartford, Connecticut. So. So maybe it's out of that uh, dialogue. I'm in like Central is. Jersey. I don't have a Jersey accent. No, I've lived don't. here my whole life. Your, my Jersey friends have an accent. That's a good You're thing. Talking. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. The New York one's tough to lose. Yeah. And Jersey <laughs> one too. But yeah, you're the first guy from Jersey that I've met that doesn't have it. Doesn't oh, that's it. good. Yeah, I heard that all the time. And I'm like, all right, cool, I guess. I guess let's see. No, I, I don't want to say coffee or... Uh... It's one less thing to lose. One less crutch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So you said you're filming something soon. So what are what are some of the things are in like 90s, 2000s? Because your last credit on here, I'm sure you're still obviously doing stuff because there's no yeah. Broadway on here. Yeah, Were you still I, doing stuff in the 90s, like uh, yeah, like theater wise? I, I don't know why it's not on there, IMDb, but you know I've done a bunch of stuff. It doesn't update. I don't know. And I just finished a, a few months ago. I finished a horror, another horror film, 1970s style horror film which was oh, a lot sweet. of fun. It's the old school kind of thing. And I play the villain in this, so that's good. Something different. Mm-hmm. Nice. And, uh, you know, when I'm allowed to give the title and all the details, I will do that. Um, I'm also in talks do a show in New York. It's a theater piece, and it is a horror movie musical. Wow. So it's the first one they claim where it's all musical, set to music, but it's a horror movie show play. That'd be something. Something different. It's very exciting. So hopefully it gets picked up and it goes and I'll be in New York doing that. But yes, Oh, you got to let me know if that happens. I will. I mean, wow. think about that. That's cool. Set to music. Like yeah. Friday the Thirteenth, like a kill scene. Like you have That's the victim singing to Jason, like "Don't kill me." I can't yeah. sing at all. Singing yeah. while you're dying, singing while you're stabbing, um, singing while you're running. Yeah, and good songs. I mean, the writer is great, so we'll see. Oh, I hope that happens. That's great. Well, I love to. So, I one question I always have to ask folks. Oh, and then another thing about your credits is. Best of the Best is a movie that I love because I love Eric Roberts and I was lucky enough yes. to chat with him a few years ago. Yes. And I think that movie and I love love the sequel of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, you're rolling it. You were probably on it for a few days. Yes. I auditioned for that. I had 15 callbacks. 15. Oh my God. They dragged this out for three months. <sighs> I wanted this role desperately. And I was a I was a fan of Eric Roberts. He was one of my favorite actors. I think that Poker yeah. Parish Village was great. And so I was thrilled to get it. I finally got it after 15 auditions. And like I said, I started, I think I started auditioning in January. And I didn't start shooting it until March. And it was audition after audition after audition. And then when I met Eric on the set, you know, we rehearsed and before we were doing the scene, he said to me, you know, we knew right away it was you. And I said, then why did you make me come back 15 times? You know, and we laughed, but it's grueling. Anyway, so I'm thrilled. I'm on the set. I'm doing it. Chris Penn, who I liked, he's it. he was in it. So I have three scenes with Eric. I'm the love interest. And it was thrilling. It was great. We became friends. Okay, now fast forward to the casting crew screening that they always invite me to. And I went with my agent because I was thrilled. I got these scenes with Eric Roberts. And the film starts to roll. And all of my scenes were cut. And no one told me. So we're sitting there. And I said to my agent, I'm I'm up next. I'm up next. The scene is next. Not there. They skipped to something else. Anyway, they did three times. The scenes are gone. Credits roll. My My name is in the credits. And I still get residuals, yeah. but I'm not in the movie. But thank God my name is still in the credits because otherwise people would think I made it up and none of, none of this happened. No, I'm in the credits. And because I'm in the credits, I get the residuals. So I still make money off of it. But I would have been thrilled to be in the film. 
I was devastated. Yeah. What was like, your? Did you have a cat? You had a character name in it, yeah, and then they, they just changed called, it to the, the woman. They called me the woman. <sighs> the woman. Yeah, I. Boy, it took me a long time to get over that. Now I can talk about it. I'm telling you, for years I couldn't talk about it. I, it was. Oh, I don't blame you. That devastated. Now at conventions, people will come to me with the poster, best of the best, and ask me to sign sign it. I said, you really? They think the story is great. It's like folklore at this point. And I said, you really want me to sign? Yes, yes, you were in it. So I signed it. I signed it. Ah, I'd love to see a photo of like you in it. There, there, there's. All I wanted, I begged them. I said, can you give me the deleted scenes? I can put it on my reel. Can you just give me the scenes with Eric? Yeah. They don't have them. Yeah. But now it's ancient history. But I, I cannot tell you. How devastating that was. To go to it, yeah. I'm helping I helped this actor write a book, this guy Larry Hankin. He mm-hmm. had a similar story in Pretty Woman. He played the oh, really? landlord. Mm-hmm. He yeah, he played the landlord and he was dating he took a date at the time sure. and he goes to her, Hey, you gotta pay attention. Come on, my scene's coming up. And then it's only in the back of his head in the opening shot, and you can like hear his voice a little bit, mm-hmm. but the he has two or three scenes with Julia Roberts as the landlord cut out of the movie. And he knew the director, like, cause he was on Laverne and Shirley two times in the seventies. And he has a pretty funny story about interacting with uh, Gary Marshall. Mm-hmm. So that's what made it even funnier. Cause he thought it was yeah. uh, in his head. He thought it was payback from an incident that happened on Laverne and Shirley, oh but God. to go to the premiere and ah, uh, I'm glad you got yeah. over it. I I went with my agent. My agent had been through the whole thing with me of all the auditions. He knew how much I wanted it. I said, oh, God, I'm getting close. He said, well, they said it's great. You're getting close. So finally I get the call that I got it. And I cannot tell you how thrilled I was. And to work with them was great. And then to wow. have that happen, I really, I couldn't talk about it. <laughs> so two i've one uh two more questions one is when you did the casting crew scening uh screening of uh of a new beginning mm-hmm. was it already with the cuts made or were you able to see it with all the special effects because i know a ton of it got chopped it was already with the cuts yeah it was yeah yeah and they cut some of my scenes that were um just Showing who Pam was, you know, it was a character development kind of stuff. There were scenes that yeah. had nothing to do with violence. It was really sweet scenes. And they're cut. And they explained to me, they have to do this because we have to make room for the kills because people care about the kills. That's what people want. They want the, they want the death. So, <laughs> so I was a little bit disappointed at that screening to see that so much of it was cut, you know, with um, Pam stuff. But I understand. Yeah. And just uh, again, I don't know if it's like true or not. They said in the documentary, like Danny Steinman, that like he was told like every eight minutes, there has to be a death on camera. So I guess that could happen. But no, that stinks because those movies, that's what you love is when you, that's what I think that people love about the Friday the 13th movies. Cause there's so many characters really, when you think about it, there's so many characters, but you get this little vignette. Mm-hmm. Of each character, whether it's your character, even like uh, Reggie's brother, who he's mm-hmm. a great actor. I can't think of the name off the oh, top yeah. of my head. Miguel Nunez, yeah. Yes, yeah. and a ton of stuff. But even yeah. his, you barely see him. Uh, and you like get to know these people for a short five to seven minutes. It's almost like so many short films within a movie. And I think that's what people love about Friday the 13th. Because yeah. you're really watching these little different scenes that are totally like these different movies within a movie. Right. That's that's uh, interesting. Interesting. That's right? cool. Like mm-hmm. the fact that they could take uh, something that got cut from four and put it in five, and it really has nothing to do with the movie. It's just the death yeah. of the one ambulance driver with the girl at the mm-hmm. diner that says mm-hmm. it's showtime. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, and uh, question I always love to ask people: If you didn't do this, was there something else that you, when you were growing up that you were like, you know what? If I don't make it, I'm gonna do blank did you have like another thing in mind career-wise uh yes i was and i did it you know before i before i did films and stuff i was a dance teacher 
So oh, I you were a dance teacher? Nice. I was a dance teacher. Yep. And I still do it in LA sometimes. I give five, I give private lessons. I teach ballet and jazz and some tap dancing. And so I, I usually teach young girls who aspire to be professional. Wow. So they're people with dance ability and I'm not just it's young girls, 16, 17 years old, that want to be professional dancers. And so I teach that. Just to That's keep great. my just to keep my hand in it and it's fun and I love doing it. And then I get a workout. So Yeah, and you get you have the experience so you could teach yep. somebody about yeah, not even just teaching the the moves, but even just your conversation. It's always great to people uh to learn from people that have the experience and have done mm-hmm. it. And the fact mm-hmm. that you've done it in New York, which mm-hmm. where everybody wants to go to, yeah. it's yeah. like New York and LA and you've done it in both places. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun for me to be with these young girls and, and see their <laughs> excitement, you know, starting, just starting out and they have so many questions and, and ideas. It's, it's really interesting. We throw ideas back and forth and they teach me about TikTok and. Nice. <laughs> so we'll put together. I don't know any of that stuff either. So. That, yeah, that's good that you have people teaching. We put together a TikTok thing that I wouldn't have normally done if it wasn't for them. So it's good. And I tell them about stuff and I show them stuff that they never heard of, you know. Like um, a payphone or uh, 1-800-collectors? Yeah. yeah, yeah, We saw a payphone the other day. My daughter's really young, but I was trying to explain it to her. And she was just like, she's like three and a half. And she just looked at me like, what? Isn't Why would I do that? Uh, like, what we take for granted. Isn't that amazing that yeah. they don't have any of that? Wow. No. There's no fathom because you have the cell phone. They wouldn't even oh like even jokes wise, like my wife's teacher in middle school, like uh-huh. references and things she would mention, kids wouldn't understand, like like calling one I like I never had a cell phone when I was younger, but no. calling like my dad one eight hundred collect and then mm-hmm. when it says like leave your name and saying, Hey, pick me up. Uh-huh. Like that was it. And that was, that's yeah. how you used to get a ride home. Like when oh, you didn't have oh, a phone. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have any of that. Yeah. I don't know. Well, and now you know what? Now you think, how have I ever lived without it? Oh, I know. It's crazy. You know, you get stuck by the side of the road, especially in LA before cell phones. You had to walk to a call box. I don't know how, I don't know how females lived without a cell phone in their car. In case something you got a flat tire, oh. but we did, but we forget that because now I, I can't live without it. It's protection. Yeah. There's a feeling of uh, security. It's a safety, yeah, like a security safety blanket. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I do hate that we have them all the time, and I try not to use mine as much. I see people walking down the street with it and bumping into things, and you know, <laughs> you're at a, a concert or at a movie, and somebody. Oh, that kills me. Yeah. So. When people like film through their, they're looking at the concert through their phone. Yeah. When you you'll find that concert on YouTube. It's not like you're ever going to watch that video. There's so many videos that I did when I was younger. And then mm-hmm. until I realized that I'm like, what am I going to watch this again? Like, what am I going to sit there for four minutes and be like, oh, this is great. <laughs> Steve Miller band on my cell phone. I'm like, I can listen to it or find the concert online somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why? Right. Right. No, sometimes Crazy. it's bad because we're not present. We're in the phone. So. I try, I, oh. I try, try not to do it. Melly, this has been awesome. I really hope that a horror musical happens in the city. Let me know. I'll keep uh, I'll keep tabs on you for it. I will. And I'm going to be uh, doing conventions around. I'm doing one. In, I'm doing Motor City Nightmares. Oh, cool. July 29th, 30th, and 31st in Detroit. But I will be in Atlantic City in September. Oh, cool. For your convention, so. I'll let you know. I'm not that far from AC. Yeah, I got to go to one of those. I have a, a, a son coming in July. Wow. So I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. But uh, yeah. Now, those horror conventions are so cool. Like I think we, we mentioned before, and I want to say it like beat a dead horse, but I think it's so cool that the people that made that film X amount of years ago mm-hmm. can really know the love because unless they go on to online and read comments on youtube and stuff or like on imdb or something they really never know so it's cool to get that you know yeah Yeah. well it's been great talking to you yeah no thanks for sharing your story with me i had a blast and uh 
Yeah, I'll make sure to put any links or anything to your social media so people can follow you. And yeah, we'll keep in touch, Melanie. Thank you so much. Best of luck with the family. Thank you. Very exciting. Man, wasn't Melanie fun? I really hope, man, that that play, I real horror play on Broadway. I want it. I want to see it. And uh, I love talking about to Melanie. And I, how about this story about best of the best? Like going to the premiere. Like we've heard that from actors before, but not that. Like everything being cut. She had like four or five scenes with Eric Roberts as the love interest, and they just completely cut that from the movie. It's got to be so heartbreaking. But you know, she. She, she, like she said, she still gets residuals from it, but, uh, man, her legacy is so cool when it comes to the franchise. And I really hope that they do make the 13th, 13th, and they have all the final girls and gal, gals, guys and gals back because, man, that'd be so cool to see, uh, Pam Roberts wield the chainsaw once again. So your homework. Friday the 13th, a new beginning. It's free on Pluto TV. So you can watch that on any app, on your TV, online, Pluto TV rules, and uh, a couple ads, but who cares? You get this movie that has the most gore, the most boobs, and uh, God, some great acting. The acting in this movie is really good. Not saying the other movies don't have great acting, but I don't know. You see people really like give it their all. When you watch it or you've seen it before, you know it. Ethel. All right? So uh, don't forget to review, rate, share our podcast. Follow us on all social media at Sequels Only. And don't forget to check out our website, SequelsOnly.com. Good night. Good night, guys.